The Persistent and Nasty podcast is a series of interviews and informal discussions with inspiring women and other marginalised voices in theatre, film and beyond. From actors to activists, we aim to amplify these voices and invite the world to stay nasty. The Persistent and Nasty podcast has teamed up with We Edition to offer our listeners 25% off monthly subscription. Head over to We Edition and type in NASTY, all capital letters, 25 at checkout. I have said it before, I will say it again. We Edition really are the future of casting. And also you can make money while being a member on the site. You can um, be a scene partner for people and you can help with accents. You can just generally help each other out. And it's a really important thing for us to do, especially during these times and just a lovely way to have community. Our other offer for our listeners is still with Backstage. Backstage are offering our actors 12 months free subscription. You heard that right, 12 months free. If you follow the link in the description box for casting directors, you can post free castings when you type in persistent and nasty at checkout. Hello, you gorgeous law, and welcome to another episode of the Persistent and Nasty podcast. Elaine here. How are you all doing? I hope you're all keeping well as we move into autumn um, and hope that For those of you in Glasgow, you haven't got soaked in the last few days. Um, Hoping that everybody else is keeping well and um, looking after themselves. Keep wearing your masks. We are not out of this yet. Today's episode, I am joined by the brilliant Hannah Jarrett Scott. We chat about everything from um, LGBTQIA representation on screen to our favourite fruit to football. Um, It is a varied and brilliant episode and I can't wait for all of you to hear it. You can follow us on all social media, Twitter at Persistent Nasty, Instagram at Persistent and Nasty, Facebook Persistent and Nasty. Send us a wee email if you fancy to persistentandnasty at gmail.com. You can follow um, both of us on social media as well. Louise is at Ms. Louise Oliver on both Twitter and Instagram and I am at Elaine Stirrett on Twitter and at Elaine.Stirrett on Instagram. And of course, if you fancy throwing us the cup of price of a cup of coffee, we would be most grateful. We really appreciate all of you who continue to support us and hopefully at some point we will have money and we will be able to do all the things that we hope to do. But until that point, we are beyond grateful, as I say. And if you fancy helping us out, the link to the PayPal is in the description of this episode. For today's episode, I suggest mm, maybe a fruit juice or a cup of tea, water, glass of wine, Really, just whatever you fancy. As always, sit back, relax, and enjoy. Um, Hannah Jarrett Scott, welcome to the Persistent Hi. Podcast. Hi. You and your pair. I brought my nastiest self. I'm very excited to have you. Um, Thanks for having me on the show. I am bloody over the moon to have you. Um, for people who don't know who you are, how fucking dare they um (laughs) hannah would you like to give our lovely listeners a little potted history of yourself potted history um potted history a potted history 
I mean, you can do a plotted one if you want. Plotted. I was thinking like plots, like the plots, the pin plots, points, points. Is it plotted points, history? Like... And I've been saying potted history I all this know. time. I don't know. I don't know anything about words. Words are like, you know, I need to be given words and then I'll like read them out. But like making them up myself is really stressful. Um, that's why I very much admire um, you doing the podcast live, live, because uh, my podcast, Match of the Gay, is heavily edited. <laughs> Heavily, heavily edited. So I'll be on my mind to a wee tweaking and editing and cutting here and there, but overall. Oh God. No, um, yeah, so basically, um my mum's an actor who you know from equity, obviously, is he? Um, and um my dad was a stage manager and then they had a baby and a couple other babies and we kind of <laughs> grew up in the theatre world but weren't really pushed into it, just kind of well, I just kind of fell into it, it just what I wanted to do really. And then um, went to youth theatre in Edinburgh, FCT, um, which was amazing. And I got to do like fringe shows every year and, and um, musicals and stuff like that. And just like absolutely loved it. And then um, went to drama school. And then for the last uh, seven years, I've just been sort of working away and getting jobs and trying to do it basically but um yeah it's really coming back to Scotland that kind of kicked everything off because as you know there's just like so much um creativity here like I, I believe in the shows that that happen here like Pride and Prejudice like it's just a great feminist piece and like that's kind of the stuff that I want to be doing so yeah it's all kind of worked out here which has been lovely yeah were you down was it you down in London for a bit yeah I was there I trained at Central School of Screech and Trauma, I call it. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But no, it was great. I had a, a brilliant time. And, um, but it was, yeah, it is an ins- I think you were talking about this with Debbie, I think, as well, handing on that podcast. The institutions have come a long way over the last 10 years. Like I, I went in 2010, and it definitely feels like there was a huge shift in the last couple of years with these institutions in terms of, I don't know, I guess the way they're training the craft and just the way they're running it and who's you know who's heading the the courses and stuff like that I think I went to drama school at a time where it was very much like you bear your soul (laughs) (laughs) and I'm not sure actually if I look back how helpful that actually is uh I don't think it's helpful at all yeah I honestly think it's fucking bullshit Mm. I think they break us and then they leave us and you're trauma. left with the fucking trauma. Yeah. I mean, with- I was quite lucky in that I left relatively, un, I think, unscathed by it. But actually, you know, like, I look back at stuff and I'm like, nah, that wasn't right. That really wasn't right. And actually, yeah, I mean, I was crying every fucking day. Every day I was crying in that bloody room um, about something or another. And the whole time at drama school, I was like, basically being told how to like act feminine that was like my thing that was like my hurdle I had to learn how to be feminine which is just so silly in a concept in itself now isn't it like what is femininity like I am a woman but yet and I know what it's like to be a woman because I've been a woman my whole life but for some reason I have to go and learn how to be physically a woman like it was just kind of crazy but then you know part of me is like actually no I do I do appreciate that I did that for hours and hours and hours because I don't know I guess yeah like 
you've got to challenge yourself as well like but I don't know I just think some of I'm like oh that's questionable and all that <laughs> yeah I mean yeah it is questionable because I think mm, I'm trying to think what I want to say here without sounding like mm-hmm. no I'm going to call them on their shit I think they're, just, <laughs> they're putting us in a box Mm. they put us in a box and they're labeling you before you've even had the chance to find out the actor that you are Mm. when you're training because the whole point is you're learning about your craft and you have to be quote-unquote feminine or learn to be more feminine Mm. I don't really know what that means it's just mad though isn't it because like it's a really interesting conversation about representation and as an actor like what who, what do we want to see on screen we want to see representation we want to see authenticity but we also as actors want to be challenged like I didn't become an actor to play myself like I want to do lots of different stuff and you know what I mean like as much as pay, playing gay female characters on screen is like an absolute dream it is also not why I went to drama school but then it is so important casting and authenticity and representation and you know being yourself as well and like using your own skills as a human and your personality to like shine through your work like that is just so important so I do think that the the training is changing and probably for the better I would say yeah Um, I think the language needs needs to change that idea of telling somebody more something Mm. when find a different way to phrase it I think that's what it is Elaine it's like there's nothing wrong then with like being like changing your movement and you know like adapting to a certain character that is more flowy or whatever I don't know yeah but don't say to someone you need to be more feminine because then they're going to have a complex about that like yeah I have a swagger I grew up on a football field so I'm not going to walk like I don't know how they want me to walk but then I can still learn to walk a different way but I don't think it's like the the reason I don't think that's like the pinnacle of like what makes you a good actor is like being able to you know yeah because movement's just part of the craft that you learn and it is I think yeah it's definitely about the language that they use and they need to think about it because you know telling somebody to be more feminine be more masculine Mm. be more um extrovert you're then tapping into something that is part of who they are and not a characteristic of the character you're trying to play yeah and yeah of course we want authenticity but you know We've got to make sure that people's mental health's okay. Yeah, I think that's what it is. Like having the support. I think we we did get offering of a counselling when we were there. Uh, one person took it up, but it definitely had like this stigma around it of like, you know, if if you're really struggling, we will provide you with some help. And then obviously, no one wanted to be like, oh yeah, I'm struggling. When the reality was, we were all absolutely struggling through it. Like, um, it was one of the most stressful times of my life. But then also also like some of the greatest moments in my life you know what I mean like and I met the best people and had the best time did the best shows and had incredible teachers that I still see now like you know that really changed my life so yeah yeah it's like everything isn't it it's gonna have like good bits and bad bits in it yeah totally it is an up and down I probably have a bee in my bonnet about it right now though because mm. I've got a thing about um well we as persistent nasty are um hopefully going to be having big conversations with our training yeah that's great though organizations and what needs to happen and just how to make things a bit safer I agree and like 
I've been having loads of conversations recently with people about um, intimacy coordination, mm-hmm. um, which is just making me so happy inside to know that finally we're getting somewhere, eh? Like with um, with people being safe on set and like, yeah, calling people out for bad behaviour and like, you know what I mean. Yeah, it's amazing. I feel so. Pre- I feel. Have you met Vanessa yet, Vanessa? Well, Vanessa is. Um, yeah, she's gonna come. She's gonna be part of this conversation. Oh, she's honestly, she's like a little superhero. Like, she just made us feel so safe. Um, on float when we filmed float. Um, in April, which is our. Um, shall I tell you what it's about? Yes. Yeah. It's about um, it up beautifully. That was a gorgeous segue there, Hannah. Segue into a little bit of self promotion. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, it's a basically, a, and I'm I'm bringing it up because it is so important. It's basically the first um, gay female led storyline that I has come out of BBC Scotland. I, I, to be honest, I I think ever I I think River City and like other soaps and stuff like that have had female you know, characters and nods to all that. And obviously like, you know, in the bigger programs like Line of Duty and stuff, there's always like a a nod to like same-sex relationships and that's fine. But in terms of like uh, a series that is about two women falling in love, um, I can't remember the last one that has been produced out of Scotland. Like I cannot, I didn't see that growing up at all. So I'm like so buzzed about it because I feel like finally there is that representation on the screen that I've been looking for. And um, it just feels mad that I'm like actually doing it myself. Like it's taken like 10, 15 years to like see it. And then it just happens to be me in it. So I feel like a load of responsibility about that. Um, But we did um, obviously like a, a really intimate sort of, I would say like sex scene basically in it. And then, um, yeah Vanessa came on board for it and um she was absolutely amazing like the sex scene is beautiful oh thanks darling I mean it's, it's just, really it's, like it's, I was like this is beach. like how sex scenes should be done <laughs> oh, it's really like you know beautiful touching so linked with the characters like just felt that yeah it's gorgeous it's just not it's like I feel like sometimes with gay representation on and queer representation on screen it's always so like fetishized or like fetishized or like um it's quite traumatic or quirky and like actually the reality that I've grown up around is just like and Steph said the same like our relationships have been really tender and I think women in general like when they're together if they're in relationships have tender relationships and like that's what this that's what it represents and that's what you see and that's what the sex seems like so it's kind of cool you know like that that is you know it's not being like made into something that is and it is reality and uh, obviously it's very arty and it looks beautiful and stuff so Vanessa was yeah great for that she just made us feel so comfortable and and that's it's so interesting because it's Steph Smith who's written it and um you know the fact that you're just saying that both of you have mentioned your relationships have been tender mm. there is a re- there's a beauty and a tenderness to it and it is something that's missing when we see queer relationships mm. it really is yeah it's she was like oh I'm just so bored of the old tropes of like the lesbian that falls in love with the best friend and or come at the coming out stories and stuff like that like what I love about Flo is that actually the difficulties 
about sexuality are coming from Colette. They're not coming from Jade, actually. Jade's out, you know, even though she's got her troubles and that. Like, it's Colette that is, like, grappling with this this new identity. And I just find that so real. Like, I know folk like that. And, I, you know, I've lived through that. So it's cool, man. It's cool. It's, um, it's so believable. And I think um, it's something that, so many more people are probably really questioning themselves about as well as their sexuality and where they sit on the gender spectrum as well, yeah. because we're so open now with those conversations that we never were before, which is brilliant. Mm. But it's probably for some people, it's probably going to be like, they might watch it and go, oh, wow, okay, yeah, that's going to bring up some stuff. Mm. Especially stuff around like children and expectation and just being women in general having you know to sort of like live that expectation societal expectations that are put on us like a lot of the time a lot of us you know a lot of women and it's just like mm, you know there's there are loads of other themes within it that I, it's not you know it is a human story so and the fact she's squeezed it all in into like 10 minute episodes as well it's crazy you know, it's amazing and they could be you know watching it so um for those of you listening, you can get it on the BBC iPlayer um, float, six episodes, and it's um, they're kind of between 10 to 13 minutes each episode. Um, I would have been, I could easily have watched half an, half an hour of each episode. Mm. Um, beautifully filmed and female director as, as yeah. well. Yeah, Arabella, she's brilliant. Um, and obviously uh, Steph Smith as your writer. It's just... And your two guys in it as well. You're on because there is a lovely ensemble feeling about it, which yeah, is it. so nice. And what I and I don't want to give too many spoilers away about it, but I really love there's um just that thing that Steph's done about doing female friendships. Mm. And there's that there's a fear at one point for your character that a female that she trusts might betray her, and it's just really interesting that that thing of it's, that would have been the easy cliche to have gone down, like that line that the patriarchy is always trying to like push us against each other, pit us against each other, all of that. And I just really love that that's not... Not, not the story. And I would never have expected Steph to do that, but that would have been the easy way to do it. So it's yeah, just, yeah. 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 No, it's great. I know. It's just lovely. And when you talked about the pressure you feel, what is it that you feel? Is it for the community? Is yeah. it... Yeah, I think it's just that, um, I think I just know how how little representation there is for particularly uh, people in the LGBTQ plus community. I feel like gay women are very, very rarely represented on screen and I certainly didn't see any of that growing up. So I, I know how little representation there is. So I was like, God, I have to, I've got such a responsibility here because this is an opportunity to to represent that and because I have so many gay friends as well I was like you know I'm really doing it for them I'm doing it for all of us that grew up together that were like you know grappling with all that and like yeah so it's like it's, it's, it's amazing that it's a job you know it's actually a job it's just an acting job but it like feels like so much more I don't know why like we had this oh god it's so stupid we had this um interview with Diva Mag and I was like, that's it, that's it. I'm I'm gonna die happy now. I've been in Diva Mag. Um <laughs> I'm getting the frames. Like it just meant so much to me. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> which is just daft. 
but it's not no it's not it's, da- it's not daft at all yeah it's just like you know when you read that when you were wee and stuff and you were like oh no I mean so there's the, because there was um do you remember lip service yeah yeah that was the last thing that came out of Scotland I think that was like about gay women yeah and that was 10 years ago god yeah it was so, and it was cancelled after two seasons without any sort of like you know no there was... it was just like that's it done now it feels mad that it's taken that long to get something else that feels so um representative representative of that but uh, and there's and that is real not just like you know glitz and glam yeah absolutely or how men perceive gay women to be it's like you know it's written by gay women so it's going to be pretty much you know yeah it's a uh, that was uh, like episode one and two I was like oh it's it's so lovely not to see it written by a man because yeah. that version of what a lesbian relationship a yeah. female female relationship would be yeah. and is you know you, you t- touched on that about the lack of representation for um lesbian characters and I probably also think for bi characters as well yeah, there's 100 of that yeah very little representation yeah and um I think that it's so brilliant I, I kind of think floats should be getting shown in schools because mm. it's at least been talked about in schools because as you say like seeing that because straight people get to see representation all the fucking time yeah all the time and for those people who are younger and are finding their way or indeed older and are still finding their way see someone who's maybe going through that story is really it's really great yeah it's really important and I kind of gonna be like shouting about float for the next wee while and be like well we really appreciate it because you know it was a very relatively small commission in terms of like you know it's it's a mini series isn't it and you know like it came through the BBC Writers Room, so like we were so so lucky and and like happy that we got the full series commissioned. But we do know that like it feels like there's more there's more like that should be coming and from it, and it, it, it it's not it's almost like not enough just as a standalone thing to like like what I'm scared about is that that they'll be like right that's it we've done that representation let's move on now and it's like no actually like like let's see again you know obviously I'm going to say that because I'm in it and I want another bloody job but <laughs> um <laughs> but you know what I mean it's like no I, I do think that I don't want to have to wait another 10 you years you want a, a Glaswegian counsellor in series two <laughs> <laughs> who has red hair and runs her own podcast I wonder who that could possibly be <laughs> um no um no in, in all seriousness it's like I just don't want it's for the for me it's like you know, obviously, absolute great privilege to be able to play the part as an actor, blah, blah, blah. But for me, I'm like, the young people and people that are, you know, young for young queer people, it's for them, isn't it? And it's like, if we can if we can get as many of those kids to watch it or young adults to watch it as possible, then we are absolutely doing our job and then we'll see what happens. Because, and I was like, how are we going to do this? Like, how are we going to get the outreach? Because, you know, it's on, obviously, I play for a year, but it's still really hard for people to find because unless they you know, unless they, they know, but it's not like, you know, Vigil will be like on the main page for, for, for till whenever, you know what I mean? It'll be there available for everyone to see for forever. And like, if I was like, how are we going to get the outreach? How are we going to see, get these young queer people to watch it if they don't know it's there? Do you know what I mean? 
Um, and they, maybe they don't read the Scotsman on Sunday. So for us, we were like, we need to go full out on the social media and we need to write to, I'm going to write to like LGBTQ plus community, uh, like, you know, like youth groups and stuff like that. And like you're saying, like the schools, like high schools, like high schools need to be watching it. My partner's a teacher and we know loads of teachers. So we're going to send it out that way. I think it's about getting... No, you should do TikTok. TikTok. I can't. I feel, do you know what? I can't. I can't do it. Well, I mean, you don't even need to do like somebody just needs to like even just take a little video of of a wee clip of the scene, one of your scenes and just put it up on TikTok. I am telling you. Everyone will see it, yeah. I'll do it. I'll do it for you. I'll do it for you. (laughs) Thanks, babe. I'll do it. I'll do it. I mean, I don't really do the PNN one. I probably should do more on the PNN TikTok, but um, I'll do it for you. I love it. Thanks, babes. <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome. No, it's because it's bloody important. Like it's. So, it really. I watched it and I was just like, I want more. Mm. I want more. I want to know where this story goes. I want to know what happens to these characters and all, but the supporting cast as well. Like it's so yeah. they're so well rounded. Obviously, Steph is a fucking genius. So of course they're going to be well rounded, but um, you don't get that in ten minute miniseries. No, I know. And also, it's a new, it's a new format as well. Like this new miniseries thing that's like very much tailored to, well, us as humans over the last year and a bit as well with everything that's happened, the access to streaming stuff and the quickness of it all. But I think youngsters in general, like their attention span is shorter, and like, oh you know, they want to watch, they want to binge it all. Like everyone keeps saying, "Oh, I binged it," and I'm like, "What? That's mad that they've binged a." BBC Scotland series but they have because it is bingeable because it is 10 minute long like 10 minute long I had to binge yeah. it if it was in half an hour anyway so <laughs> but yeah because it because it's, it's a good story yeah as well as having the representation it's just about life you yeah. know and I, that thing that I said to you just before we started there's so many things in it for people who who aren't queer who can see it you know I grew up in a small town in Scotland and I couldn't move back there yeah I couldn't move back there like my sisters moved back and a couple of my friends have moved back but for me it's so I get that whole like you know the first episode of being back in that place that you didn't Mm -hmm. think that you were going back to yeah 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 Yeah. I don't want to say too much in case I keep ruining it no I know you don't want to give it all away do you spoiler spoiler spoilers Spoilers, that's not much of a spoiler. That was, you know that in episode one, so it's okay. It's okay, it's all right. <laughs> um, you said that you spent your life on a football field. I want to talk about that, Hannah. Yeah, well, I just, I've played football since I was tiny. My dad took me, my dad had his first flat on Albion Road, which is right next to the Hibs Stadium. And um, massive Hibs fan. And he basically took me from like get-go. Um, my brother wasn't that interested in football, so... I kind of was the one that went along with them. And um, I started playing when I was like, mm, probably about like, like pretty young, like primary school, like P, P, P1, P2. Um, and then by the time like P3, P4 came around and, you know, I was like part of the school team and played with boys, always played with boys because back then, I, th- I mean, sport for women has come a long way, hasn't it? It Not has. 15 years yeah. or whatever, but like, yeah, I mean, whew, yeah, I was playing with all the lads and I absolutely loved it. Um, I loved it because I was like the centre of attention because I was the only female in the team. Um, Spot the actor. 
<laughs> I know, such a show off. But um, also, actually, I was thinking about it the other day. I was like, it was annoying, though, because they definitely didn't pass me as much as they should off. Like, they were so confident, the players. But, like, so I remember there was one time, right, it was, like, the Leavers' Cup at Trinity, Trinity Primary. And it was, like, the big event, you know, Leavers' Cup. I think it's the P7s play the P6s. And I was uh, on the sidelines for most of the match, you know, as a sub. And then they were losing uh, or they were drawing or something like that. And then they put me on for like the last like 10 minutes and I scored and I won the the winning goal. And I remember thinking at that time, like if they put me on earlier, like we wouldn't have had such a stressful time thinking that we were going to leave it. But it was so worth it to like score that winning goal uh, with all these boys, just knowing that like, that was me that did it and I'm a girl like yeah but women's football I'm like a massive massive fan of it Um, I've kind of gone off the men's game a little bit over the last couple of years just because of the Premier League being so just all about money isn't it and yeah. like the SPL I just find it quite difficult sometimes with the, yeah. the same old stuff that you, you know yeah you can expect Um, so and also just because women's football has just taken off so much over the last I would say like five years, but obviously we know we know the story. We know that football was banned by the FA and all that fifty years ago and stuff. So it's like it's just taken so long for us to fight back about that mm-hmm. horrific decision that was made because basically the patriarchy was threatened by by women and working class people is essentially what happened, wasn't it? Um, gathering in crowds supporting women, they just couldn't handle it, so they're like, "No, we're going to stop that," um, and yeah there's like generations of women that really worked their arses off to get the game where it is now like Rose Riley yeah who is gonna um who is you might you'll know of her but she was um a Scottish internationalist and and Italian internationalist who kind of paved the way for a lot of women in Scotland at the time um and she has an amazing story and I think it's going to be at the true at the at the um yeah, yeah I think it is yeah our story is going to be at the RMR um next I think it's this season isn't week. it yeah I'm going to go and see week. it on Friday yeah and I think Maureen Carr has um directed it and I don't know who's in it but I think it's um going to be really great well so I might make that my first trip to play a pint and a pint then <sighs> well I've got tickets for the Friday um well maybe I'll go on Friday and I'll see yeah see if we can get tickets for the Friday and we can have we can we can have our pint and a pie um so yeah obviously the last five years it's really picked up the women's world cup we've had better uh, broadcasting for it and stuff like that and it's it's made a huge difference um and yeah I'm just really excited by it so I started this podcast called match of the gay um and it's uh it's piece of nonsense really it's basically just um giving a platform for women to talk about football but also for men to talk about football as well but we want to discuss issues around women and sport, I guess. And mm-hmm. I was just really interested at the, the the thought of like the the idea of hearing women, like hearing the actual voices, you know, um, that you wouldn't necessarily hear talking about football, you yeah. know, because it's always the same rhetoric, isn't it? It's always like, I can't believe, I can't believe he's he's he, you know, he's not worth like that 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 much money. And you see, if you ever watch like um, listening to like off the ball or whatever, I mean, it's honestly. It's, it's full of cliches. Thing. It's 
absolute nonsense that is spoken as well it's like you're not even making any sense like you're just saying it because you you think that's what you should say mm-hmm. and I'm just more interested in uh hearing other people's opinions about football that you yeah. might not necessarily have you know hear of her I said um I was watching some I was watching the Scotland game actually a uh, Scotland Denmark game the other night with my husband uh-huh. and I can't one of the Danish players did something and I can't remember what it was I said but I was just like basically I was kind of saying they deliberately played that that way so that they would get that and whatever it was and I can't and I said they're at it basically that's my favorite phrase at it. <laughs> um I love that phrase as well at at it. It. and uh Steve was just like which which is one of the reasons why I married him um because he is a feminist because yeah. um, he was just like this is why I love watching the football with you or he goes to the football with his sister he said because you women will notice something that men don't on the pitch yeah. and they'll notice behaviors of players that men don't always see yeah and I'm yeah. like and I'm going that's so fucking obvious though yeah yeah no well, it's not to us <laughs> it's like, I know. Well, we are I know. What I love about the women's game is there's just no nonsense. Like it's just pure ninety minutes of sport, and like oh, I feel, I feel yeah, I feel like now with the, the amount that these players are played in the in the men's game, it's just it's obscene the behaviour. Sometimes I'm like I can't abide this anymore. Yeah. You know what I mean? Rolling about the floor and oh my god, the rolling! I can't. I'm like you're, you're not hurt because if you were no. hurt, you would not be rolling. Exactly. It's just I can't. Yeah, it's it's kind of for me lost a lot of the heart and soul of football, which. You know, you only really see like in the Scottish Cup or the FA Cup or but like, you know, the big leagues now, I just find some find it so dull sometimes, you know. Yeah. Um, but Match of the Gay is coming back. Um, we did a couple of episodes recently and we're gonna do some more uh when I move um down south for a little Yeah, bit. you're going down south for a new job. Yeah. Which has been announced today. I've so been announced today to talk like, about it. it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping they announced it before I did this because I was like, I'm not gonna be able to say anything. <laughs> But yeah, basically, I'm I'm moving to London for um ten months to do Pride and Prejudice, sort of, which is hitting the West End. Yes, so it's really exciting because um it's fucking the, brilliant. Well, it's just Isabel MacArthur at our absolute best. It is five of us doing all the parts in Pride and Prejudice, and it's originated at the Tron, so it's a Scottish piece of theatre that's got shot in the west end and it just feels i'm so proud of it um brilliant it's so good i'm so i'm just so chuffed for all of you like it's so it so deserves that size of a platform like it's so fucking good and i think i'm excited for the ripple that it's going to cause in the west end i don't think people are gonna like expect it no i don't think they are and i'm excited for that regional theater is just not often um funded at that level I think you know when it's been made at a, a smaller scale and then it's like taken away so hats off to David Pugh because he's like totally um championed it from like yeah. the beginning and, and and he's he's making it into you know how he wants to how he wants London to see it and um and it's it's really exciting uh for everybody involved and that 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 means everyone who's made uh you know has been, played a part in it over the years so like yeah it's really special and it's exciting to do a show in the West End but to do a West End show with your pals yeah it's very special yeah so it's it's lovely 10 months in London though oh I don't I know 
Not that it's we don't just, love London, listeners no, in London. No, listen, I'm, I'm, my partner is a Lon- Londoner and it has my heart, but I have to say it as in London, not like it. I'm not saying like my partner's called it. That would be horrific. It has my heart. London has my heart, but it's, um, I'm terrified to move back there after the experience of lockdown. And cause like during the lockdown, I was working as a greengrocer in this little um, veg shop, fruit and veg shop up the road from me. And my life and my world is so small now. And it's just like, you know, it's just very structured and very different to what it was before. So I'm actually really scared about moving back to London. Yeah. I, th- I totally think so many people will like be able to relate to that. Um, I, l- I also love that you were a greengrocer for a year and a half. It is like... That's why I brought my pair. And that, that was my... For the opening lunch. Hannah Jarrett Scott knows all about the pears. Um, <laughs> that was a conference pair. And they are, hmm, I think they're three ninety nine a kilogram. Yeah, yeah, they are. Great. I mean, that's knowledge that is going to get you by for the rest of your life. No, no. Thing you is, you'll be able to know what fruit to eat. When the, when the world is ended and it's all on fire and there's fuck all to eat, you'll be like, <laughs> you can have that pear just now. It's ready. It's what's ready. Your favorite, what's your favourite fruit? Oh, pineapple. Oh, I love a pineapple. Pineapple. Some people have bad reactions to pineapple. I know, I know. I, lo- I, I would eat pineapple every day. That's great. I love it. A wee bit of ice cream. Um, hmm? A wee bit of ice cream on the side. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I like I thought, I'm really into flat peaches. I think they're really underrated, but you've got to catch them quick because like, they're quite hard for a while. And then they'll just suddenly turn. So you need to like, you know, get them on that day that they feel good. Okay. And my knowledge of fruit and veg is like, honestly, it's changed my life. It's changed my diet. I'm like obsessed with it now. Um, didn't know anything about it before. Um, but now I'm like absolutely mad for the fruit and veg. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And mm-hmm. I hope that I can continue that when I go to London. I'm going to go and like get all my fruit and veg from like the wee like, ah, oh, free apple for a pear, free <laughs> apple for a pen and all that. Like, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm I'm buzzing. I'm buzzing to like, you know, get in on the green grocer green grocer vibe. You know, like yeah. in Jeffrey's Bush Market and stuff like that. And they'll be loving you. They'll be like, oh, yeah, yeah, totally love. loving you. I totally get that. I was in London last month, um, yeah. so I totally get the kind of fear of being back in. But mm-hmm. you you'll be surprised how quickly mm-hmm. it feels normal again. However, yeah. I didn't do the tube though. So, I well, I went down a couple of months ago for a um to see some people and I actually had to get off the overground because I just suddenly felt really claustrophobic and stressed yeah. out I was like I'm gonna get off everyone's cutting about without masks not nah, not doing it and I just got off at Kentish Town and walked the rest of the way um but obviously I can't be doing that if I've got a show to go to like I need to get to work so yeah I will find a way to cope with it but um it's certainly you know something that is not yeah I am considering you know it to be a challenge um and because we're all just re-emerging now, aren't we? We're all just like sort of we've adapted to this way of life, and now we're having to like go back a bit, a wee bit back into what it was before, but not quite. Like it's it's very different still. Not quite, but I think everybody expects us to be going at the same pace that we were before, and I we just can't. We can't yeah. like we're not ready for it, and also we're not really having the conversations about how lockdowns affected us all physically, mentally, emotionally, and then how coming out of that is going to affect us, and also. Yeah you know how it affects our industry what's going to happen with covid tests covid passports yeah all of that i know i'm um 
But you, at least you're in rehearsals for ages, so you don't need to worry about it. Yeah, yeah. I'll I'll, I'll get myself settled in and all that, and then um, I've got lots of friends and family there, so it'll be it'll be lovely to Great. have a change of scenery. Um, yeah, it's exciting. It's exciting. I'm so chuffed, and it's brilliant, and it's just um, yes, bring on the women. I know. It's so great. Um, Hannah, I'm going to ask you a question. Oh, God. <laughs> do you uh, do you know why we're called persistent and nasty? Um, no, but is it something to do with people telling women all the time that they're too loud and too this and too that? Basically, yes. And actually, so, it's like, well, yeah. Yeah, I mean, basically, like, we were... Ke- kind of we formed at the height of the me too movement and um we used the quote nevertheless she persisted the elizabeth warren one and um nasty is because the previous president of the united states um called hillary clinton nasty women for daring to give him actual facts so there was then a twitter storm with hashtag nasty women in okay. a positive way also right. we're all about reclaiming words mm-hmm. um so first question yeah if there is a word that you could reclaim what would it be right can- i think the word lesbian because um I mean, it's it's used in a positive way now, but when I was growing up, it was very much like a derogative term. Mm-hmm. And it was like, oh, you're a lesbian. And like for ages, I used to actively say this. I used to actively be like, I hate the word lesbian. I hate it. It's horrible. You know, and I was so rude about it. And then I joined a lesbian football team and there was loads of lesbians and that's how they identified and I was like oh no I am a lesbian and that is amazing and it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks so enjoy the word and I think it's because it sounds like like lizard you know what I mean like it's not it's 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 like the word moist it's like a bit bit gross sounding but actually like only because it's been told for so long it's a bad thing but actually if you just celebrate it yeah I'm a lesbian. <laughs> it's great. It's a great word. Yeah. So I've got a total renaissance with this word. Um, and there's loads of lesbians in the south side of Glasgow. So uh, there is. we're all vibing the word now. Yeah. I mean, yes, there definitely is. Just, I mean, I know I was going to say, but I want to ask a quick question. Do you think that um, you found it harder being out, openly out to get work? Or do you find that it hasn't been a problem at all? It's not been a problem um, at all. And I've been lucky enough to have played lo- lots of roles recently that have a little gay theme running through them. So that's been like a total dream. But um, for ages, I was a wee bit worried about... Uh, I must have been because I wasn't out professionally. So, you know, I was a bit worried about, um, you know, sort of having to be a certain... look a certain way and... It's that thing about feminine. It's just because I went to drama school, I was told to be more feminine. Um, have your hair like this and that and that. And, and actually, because I think the first time I saw you, your hair was like down to your waist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've had really long hair for so long and I loved it. And I do I do miss my hair, but like I got it cut basically for flow and then it wasn't quite right. And then a few years passed and we filmed the rest of the pilot and actually I kept chopping it back and chopping it back. And then finally I found like a, a style that I like. But um, 
yeah I don't feel I feel like at the moment I'm just I'm just in a little process with Matson at the moment that is like I'm just trying to take on jobs that I believe in and I think I've got a greater cause um and so it hasn't affected me too much yet but that's not to say that it's not scary because I was actually reading um Jacqueline Tavoni's article in Diva Mag uh, recently which was all about how scared she was to come out professionally and she was the same she was so scared that she was not going to get jobs because she came out and the thing is we'll never know like we'll never know like I certainly have had lots of castings for queer parts which is great but I'm getting fewer of the other ones I have to say over the last wee while that are heterosexual or bisexual or whatever you know but that's fine like I'll you know just want to do a, I just want to do a good job and so I'll just take it as it comes I guess I'd, I'd rather be out and proud than like trying to be someone that I'm you know not yeah um and I'm a trained actor so it's like you know if I have to do something that's not outside of my world like that's fine <laughs> do you know what I mean like but <laughs> yeah. no 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 I, I think it will affect I think it does affect I think it does affect people's you get you get scared that you're not gonna get put up for stuff yeah yeah I think that and I hope that our industry will move away from that yeah I think we talk a good game on that like I think there's lots of people who are like oh no we don't do that we don't put people in boxes anymore and blah 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 and when we're casting we're really open I kind of want to call bullshit on all of that because I don't think that's quite right. I think there's some who are brilliant at it, but I think the majority are. And I kind of hope that, you know, in another couple of years, another actor sees that sees you in something and goes, I don't need to hide. Yeah. All at any exactly. point. Yeah. Uh, that's what would be, uh, you know, that would make me happy because, yeah, I know what it's like to be, working as an actor and be scared to come out and um be sort of hiding who I am a little bit so you know if I can be a visible a visible thing for young actors who are queer to come to just go and be like oh yeah no I can do that but I can also do this and then that's that's a good thing isn't it yeah that's a great yeah I mean it shouldn't all be on and it shouldn't be on your shoulders it's on all of us to make sure that that's open and everything is but what an amazing thing to be able to lead the way for yeah. that yeah yeah I'm very proud of that and it feels like a total honor and like it's a whole big journey and you know I'm I'm 30 now so hopefully I'll I'll have more time you know to do that but things will change below me do you know what I mean like things are changing all the time and I have to keep checking myself to keep up with it all as well like to make oh, sure God, that yeah. my community is is like I am actually you know like serving my community as well and like um but something else I was going to say and it's gone out of my head can't mind all right you can always let me know <laughs> uh and now I'm going to ask you the second question that is the last question um what does the phrase persistent and nasty mean to you Hannah Jarrett Scott persistent and nasty I think it's like be ashamedly um sorry unashamedly um vocal vocal about what your what your feeling what your opinion is as a woman um because um it matters and we're so 
all we're always so overlooked and what's the word mm, yeah overlooked to be honest and persistent nasty is just like a reminder to not listen to that and to you know keep going and keep believing in what you want to say you know um because you know it's funny it's like yeah we're so perceived as these like nasty like <laughs> oh she's on her period and all this you know it's like no I'm just fucking telling her how it is like this is how it is and you need to just listen like it might be a little bit threatening and scary and um challenging but like we're all faced with that all the time like we're constantly faced with challenges so like deal with it um yeah it's good it's good it's a good name thanks <laughs> and I love the theme tune thanks Thanks. Um, and that's that's you. <laughs> Are you going to do a live performance of that at some point? What, of the theme tune? Yeah. I don't know, I'll ask Louise. She's... Did I do like a slowed down acoustic cover of it? Oh my God, yeah, you can. <laughs> Persistent and this day. Oh no, God. I won't like that, but I'll, you know. There was a little bit of Britney in there as well, <laughs> you know. What about Free Britney? Free Britney. What do you think about all that? Deep. So many thoughts. Have you watched the documentary? Yes. It's, it's wild, isn't it? It is. It makes me so sad. It makes me so unbelievably sad. It makes yeah. me look back at things because, like, I am a similar age to Brittany. So I look at everything that she went through at that point, how, mm. um, you know, boys treated me at school or yeah. treated other people. Um, how guys treated me and yeah, so many things and then how we just let things slide mm-hmm. so many things we let go like um her being totally railroaded by the press when she was clearly having a mental breakdown and yeah. nobody gave a fuck about her yeah. and I actually all they wanted to do was sell fucking heat magazine you know and just- put pictures of her we bald scalped head on yeah. everywhere everywhere it was like rather than oh, she's having a nightmare because she shaved her head it's like guys like than someone going actually this is awful like, I think um oh my god I've totally forgot his name the Scottish comedian who used to have a late night show in America oh, ah, um, ah. no don't know no, it's, it's gone it'll come back to me come back to me at like one o'clock in the morning no <laughs> Um, you all know who I'm talking about. Oh, it keeps it's nearly there. It's like on the tongue. If I keep talking, and it'll maybe be here. Anyway, he was like one of those ones that did like monologues at the start of his show, slagged it off, and then there's one where he kind of goes actually no, and he stops and he's like, "This person is clearly hurting, and we need to be better." Yeah, and it's really he's like the only one that does it though. Wow. And then you know, there's Letterman as well, like slagging off Lindsay Lohan for being in rehab and just oh it's just so toxic isn't it so toxic and misogyny is so ingrained in us that we can't see it yeah and actually we we don't even realize ourselves I think a lot of the time when misogyny is happening towards us because we have been so what's the word I'm looking for we're so blinded by it because it's there all the time yeah and it's a and the stuff with Britney is just like, it is utterly 
it is classic misogyny and sexism in every possible way it's she can't possibly look after herself because she has been quote-unquote hysterical it's the hysterical Mm -hmm. woman Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and therefore her dad is in control of really controls her entire life and she's like you said your age it's just like outrageous eh like yeah like she can't and I truly believe it is, like you say, because she is a woman. Oh, it totally is. It would not, it would never have happened if she was a guy. I don't think it would have gone on this long or mm. it would be, you know, I don't think it would aspect of her life would be controlled, you know. You can strip it right back. I mean, look at even look at our industry, right? You strip it right back and the male actors who go and maybe have an alcohol problem or a drug problem, they always get re-employed. Mm. If you start to know if you, the women who've had that. I know sex offenders have been re- re-employed and everything. Hmm? Sex offenders have been re-employed and everything. Yeah. You know, like I hope I hope she does uh, I hope things do change for her. Oh, bless her heart. Bless her heart. And more stressful. Like that's just so sad. Um love her music. Well, we'll never stop listening to it. Never, never. Um, but yeah, you can do an acoustic version anytime you want. I'll yeah, put a wee bit slip, a wee bit Britney in as well. Um Hannah, thank oh, you yeah. so much for joining. No, us. Thank you, thank you for having me on this oh, um, no, podcast. Everybody's like, you know, secretly delighted when they get asked to be on podcast. Don't care what anyone says, they are because you're because they listen in and they're you know they fans of it and that. And yeah, it's just great to have a chat with you. So thanks so much for having me. It's great to have a chat with you and um Everybody go and watch Float on the BBC iPlayer. It is beautiful. You will fall in love with it. You will fall in love with Hannah. I'm obviously falling in love with Hannah. You've got one of the major bingos on <laughs> Resistant and Nasty Podcast. I'm a little bit in love with you by the end of the episode. <laughs> days. Lovely listeners. Not, not if they saw me the way I was eating that pear earlier on, though. You say that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, I think some people <laughs> <laughs> um, Hannah, thank you, thank you, thank you. Good luck with a Yes, we will punt it all and until next time, lovely listeners. Stay, stay nasty. nasty. Yeah. <laughs>